the whole thing and when he began to speak to me about this morning I had something different in mind but how many of you know that he confirms it all along the way what you're supposed to speak and so for the altars to be full of people breaking free of mindsets and things that bind this is we're on target today let me just say something really quick for those of you that do know me it's hard to say anything without talking about missions but Jeremiah talked about missions so I'm going to do the same for just a moment can I do that yes. pastor John uh, I was in contact with him um, this week and uh, here's what he said and I'll read it to you he said um, thank you and thank your church very well for the money in other words the support those of you that are supporting him it was able we were able to buy rice for the girls in the girls school and on behalf of the children of the church I want you to thank the church there for me and he said that uh, now that's up in the north but down in the central part where he's at he's asked for prayer um, because he said that they were using a man's building for their church and the owner who was an Alahaji, which is a Muslim man, sent his boys to drive our people out of his building. He said, this is a big problem for us now, so I will call a man to go to the chief and ask for permission to grant us some land that we can build a temporary structure on so that we can worship. And so he's just asking us to pray with him that they find another place to worship and um, I told you that he went overseas the other week and held several days of crusades now we're talking primitive crusades and he's asked me he said please pray for this young boy he said um, he's a new convert and facing persecution and the boy knows the Quran, which is interesting, just like John knows the Quran because he used to be a Muslim. Um, he knows the Quran very well and uh, said that his family is wanting to kill him. And so John has brought him to his home to live with him for a while, some 200, over 300 miles away. And so this is the picture of the, the young man. And I said to him today, uh, th this week when I was talking to him on the phone, I said, because I know these things, I'm being grown up in that region, I said, um, and what are they doing about you? And he said, well, when, if they find me with the boy, they'll be after me too. Lots of people don't understand that. This is normal overseas. When you name the name of Christ, you better be ready to die for the name of Christ. And it's something that the American church struggles with. We have people in our church who call themselves Christians, and yet sometimes they choose to believe the word of God and sometimes they don't. These people, when they choose Christ, they believe all of it. 
even if they're persecuted for his namesake. And so I would just ask you to pray for him. He had a Muslim name, and John, when, every time a Muslim gets Christian, it becomes a Christian in our area, they take on a Christian name. So this is Joseph. His new name is Joseph. So when you think about him, I would ask you to pray for him. Amen. Let's stand for prayer as we begin. Holy Spirit, I don't want to say anything that you don't want said. And yet I want to say every word that you want spoken. And I ask for every individual under the sound of my voice in the room or over the internet that you would open their hearts and their spirits to what you're trying to accomplish today. I pray that every life would be changed regardless of where they are in their personal life. May this time be beneficial to every individual. May we leave here saying that we have met with God and God alone. I thank you for hearing me when I pray. I pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. We're talking about mindsets. Derek was talking about breaking free. And the title of my message today is Unwrap the Grave Clothes. Unwrap the Grave Clothes. If I had a subtitle, it would be What You're Wearing is Killing You. Even though you did your hair and your makeup and you sprayed that deodorant and you ironed that shirt, well, some of you did. Hallelujah. I'm taking my text from John 11, the story of Lazarus. Hallelujah. Just want to read a few verses to you. We're going to jump down to John 11, 42. Oh, 41. The end of 41. Jesus is saying here, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, yes, I know you always hear and listen to me, but I have said this on account of and for the benefit of the other people standing around me, that they may believe that you did send me as a messenger. Verse 43, and when he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out walked the man who had been dead, his hands and his feet wrapped in burial cloths, and with a napkin bound around his face. And Jesus said to them, Free him of his burial wrappings and let him go. Free him of his burial wrappings and let him go. This story, for most of us, is probably very familiar. Let me just refresh your memories. Lazarus was very sick. Some kind of a disease we're not sure of. Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. Remember, 
Mary was the one that anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and wiped it with her hair. You remember her. They lived in Bethany. And all three of them were very close with Jesus. They were like family. He loved them dearly. And so Jesus was in Jerusalem, and the sisters sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, but it will honor God and glorify God. The King James puts it this way, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Let me ask you a question. Does your situation that you're facing today, does it honor God? I have a message that I preach about, is your trial honoring to God? So many times we find ourselves in difficult situations and they're legit. They're legit. But so many times we, we find ourselves in these situations and we're focused on praying for the deliverance and for the breakthrough. And we should. But are you honoring God during that time of difficulty? We all know people who choose to look at the negative side and some who choose to look at the positive side. They gripe and growl around and yet they ask God to help them and to set them free and so on and so forth and yet the words that come out of their mouth aren't pleasing to God. They don't glorify God. And yet when we're facing those difficulties, it's hard. It's hard. Many of you know of my situation last year with the brain tumor. Very difficult. Very difficult. But you've got to decide what you're going to do during your trial. Because there's, i got news for you. If you're a positive person, you'll look for something that you can learn to become a better individual to represent God in a better way. And so Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Like I said, they were like family. And even after Jesus got the word that he was sick, Jesus still stayed in Jerusalem for two more days. Do you ever pray and you don't seem to get the answer right away? Jonathan, I was talking with Jonathan just for a sentence in the bathroom and he had prayed about something and the answer came. And he said to me, you know, that's interesting how quick the answer can come. We praise God for that, but what happens when he doesn't answer you right away? Do you ever feel like God has gone away far from you and he, he's not able to actually hear you? I'm reminded I was in India a number of years ago and we were going out through the bush. Some was bush, some was jungle. And we were going to these different villages and churches and meeting the pastors and I remember it was all day and we were out in this flatland and it was dried up rice paddies and I mean you have you ever been 
to a place where you feel like you're at the end of the earth? You know, I, I sometimes tell my wife when I go on missions trips, okay, I'll, I'll call you, but now on Tuesday and Wednesday I won't be able to because where I'm at there's no communication, but then Thursday when I get to where there's communication availability, I'll call you. Well, this was one of those things. And we were in this truck driving, and, 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 and we were tired, and it was hot, and, and as far as you could see was nothing but dried up rice paddies. And one person in the vehicle said this, said, Man, I feel like we're so far that out that God can't even find us. And there was silence in the truck for about 10 seconds. And then the presence of God flooded that vehicle. I mean to tell you, we wept and laughed and the presence of God was so thick in that vehicle. He does know where you are. He does hear your prayers. Some have even asked the question, God, do you even know what you're doing? with my life and after two days Jesus tells the disciples that he's ready to go back and the disciples really don't want him to go because they're afraid that he's gonna get stoned and Jesus tells them that he needs to go back so that he can awaken Lazarus from his sleep and the disciples were thinking naturally that Lazarus was just resting, and so they said, no, 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 let him sleep to get rest to recoup from his sickness. Let me just say something to you. Don't ever limit what God's speaking to you to the natural. Never. Always be open to the supernatural of God. You know, Jeremiah was talking about the ministry school. And we've talked about that and prayed about that for a long time. And we've discussed finances and we've discussed location and we've discussed all these natural things. But we always leave an opening for the supernatural to take place. Because that's what he's about. God's about the supernatural. And even this new Winter Haven campus. We're ready for the supernatural. You know, we had a need of $4,500 to buy some supplies to get up and going, some, some children's stuff, some sound equipment, some stuff like that. I'm happy to tell you that it's already been given, donated, bought, and paid for already. Already. That's, that's the supernatural that comes on our natural Always be open. Always be looking for him to intervene for you. And so then in verse 14, Jesus tells them that Lazarus has died. He explains to them that. And um, then in verse 15, it says, And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Because it will help you to believe and to trust in me more. However, let us go. In other words, 
from his sickness to his death, they didn't understand in the natural. If he loved them so much, if he loved Lazarus so much, if he had all power, if he could deliver him from his sickness, which they knew that he could, then why? Why did he delay and why did he die? But remember, Jesus said that this would not end in death, but in the glory of God. In other words, this situation was such that because of Jesus not being there, not healing him, that their faith would increase and their trust and belief in Jesus would be magnified would swell, would, would increase and blow up and fill up their life even more than before. Maybe that's why God doesn't answer all of your prayers right away, so that we'll trust Him more and have faith in Him. And then there was Thomas. Thomas was there and he just felt like giving up. We all know people like that. Just feel like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. The person pulled out in front of me. My cat is sick. The neighbor's kids are being bratty. I mean, it's just one negative thing after another. And Thomas speaks up and he says, well, then just let us go and let us get stoned with Jesus and killed. We'll just all die and the kingdom of God will be over, basically. You know, people like that don't don't elbow your neighbor, just keep smiling. By the time that Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. It was over. Many people would come to mourn and to console Mary and Martha. And I ask you today, can you really trust God with your situation? Even when it looks like it's over, when your dreams have turned into nightmares and what you had planned doesn't happen, when your desires aren't met, when you haven't reached your goals, can you still trust Him? Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that is, He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Not those that pray for a day and quit. Not even those that pray and fast for a week and stop. But they diligently seek Him. One translation uses the word earnestly seek Him or sincerely seek Him. Are you seeking Him? And after it looks like it's over, are you still seeking him? That's the question I have for you today. See, the Bible says, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here my brother would not have died. In other words, she was saying, if you had been here, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in right now. Blaming. Blaming. 
Better be careful who we blame. Especially when he's the one that possesses all power to deliver you out of your situation. But she goes on to say, and she starts moving more in faith, and she says, and even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will grant it. She shifted from the natural to the supernatural. Reminded of in Luke where Gabriel came to the mother of Mary and said this, nothing is impossible and no word from God is without power for it to be fulfilled. No word. See, Jesus always responds to faith. Always. And he said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha didn't understand. She thought that he was referring to on the resurrection day. Yeah, duh, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll rise. But he, Jesus asked her, said, do you believe? And she says, yes, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. And so Martha goes and Martha gets Mary and says, he wants to see you, he wants to see you. And all the people of the house follow them outside of the village. The scripture says that she sprang up to go and see Jesus. In the midst of what looked like devastation, her heart was still to run to God. Many people, when they hit trials and tribulations and they're persecuted for his name's sake. They turn their back on God and walk away, but not Mary. And when, Jesus, when Mary sees Jesus, she falls at his feet and says it again. If only you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And here we find that Jesus is moved deeply with her grief and with her sobbing. And he groans in his spirit. He's moved with indignation, and he's deeply troubled. That word means to express righteous anger. That's what Jesus felt. You see, Jesus truly cares about you and your situation. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Let me just ask you something. Have you ever thought how many times has Jesus wept over my situation? Here he wept over this situation. Why wouldn't he weep over your situation? I'm here to tell you, I would venture to say that he has. I would say that he's wept over your situation on multiple occasions. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to see you come through that. When the people talk amount, amongst themselves about how much Jesus loved Lazarus, you know, they keep talking about this. It must be important in that Jesus demonstrated his love. It was visible to the people. And in verse 
39, Jesus says this, Take away the stone. The thing that finalized this situation, take it away. The thing that separated Jesus from Lazarus in the tomb, separate that, take, it, take that away. The thing that Satan uses to shut the door on your miracle or your breakthrough or your answer. The thing that causes you to think that it's all over. Jesus says, get rid of the stone. Move it out of the way. And so he commands them to remove it. And this is what I love. Anytime that you find Jesus doing miracles, many times there's, there's human involvement in it. Jesus could have just spoke it and said, get rid of the stone, and the stone would have rolled away. But no, he's told the people that were there, he said, no, you get rid of it. You move it. You see, you have a role in, in, in your miracle. You have a role in the answer coming to you. In Matthew, we're, we're reminded of the feeding of the 5,000, and the disciples came to Jesus and said, we've got all these people, and they're all hungry. And what does Jesus say? You feed them. Jesus could have done a miracle right then and there. But he said, no, you, you feed them. And so we all know they went out and grabbed that boy's lunch and the miracle took place. How about in John, the wedding feast, when they ran out of wine? He said, you fill those water pots. You fill that water all the way. I, I personally think that those guys filled those pots with water all the way to the top so that nobody could argue and say, well, somebody was in the back room pouring wine in there. That's what I believe. But he told them to fill the pots. How about in Exodus when Moses was standing in front of the Red Sea? God told him, you lift up your rod and you stretch out your hand and the sea will divide. And he did and the sea divided. How about in John? I, I, I love this story, the blind man from birth. And the disciples wanted to ask Jesus, well, now who sinned? Who sinned? Did this blind man sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus' response, neither, but that the works of God would be manifest in him. And so Jesus spits on the ground and forms clay, and puts it on his eyes. And human involvement is still not over. He still wants you to be involved in your miracle. And he tells the blind man, go wash. Blind man could have left that on there, that mud on there, could have left it on there. Jesus said, go wash. And he went his way and washed and came back seeing. Came back seeing. Why? Because it was his involvement with Jesus that performed that miracle. Washing that clay off so that then he could open his eyes and see. And Jesus reminds them again that if they would believe that they would see the glory of God and 
verse 41, they took the stone away and Jesus prayed out loud so that people could hear, so that there would be benefit to those that were gathered around. He prays out loud. And then he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And I love verse 44. And out walked a man who had been dead for four days, his hands and his feet wrapped in burial cloths and a burial napkin bound about his face. Out walked this man. Wouldn't you have loved to be there? Grave clothes. Perhaps the last thing they put on a body before they put it in a tomb. Grave clothes. The thing that Satan loves to put on you and me cause us to think that it's over. He loves to bind our hands so that we can't do anything for God. He loves to bind our feet so that we can't walk or live for God. He loves to bind our ears so that we can't hear what God's saying. Binds our mouth so we're not capable of speaking or testifying for God. He binds our eyes so that we can't see where God is taking us. At the end of verse 44, he says, you free him of his burial wrappings and let him go. He tells the people that. He didn't do it. Here's human involvement again. One version says, loose him and let him go. Take off his grave clothes and let him go. Unwrap him or unbind him and set him free. I have with me a book of my dad's that he wrote being a missionary for 40 years. I just want to read this as an illustration of unwrapping the grave clothes. This is back in 2011 when we went to do a crusade um, in a village that was thoroughly saturated with Muslims and we asked a pastor to come and speak for us this this pastor uh, knew the Quran and um, let me just read here this is he would stand up and preach and he would say this is what the Quran says but this is what Jesus said he would compare the Quran with the Bible some people don't like the Quran being used in church but this is one way to use it and use it effectively Speaking as he did, he had their full attention throughout the crusade. And he gave, when he gave the altar call, he said, Islam does not offer life, but Jesus does. If his life can be yours if you want it, but don't come for prayer if you're not willing to leave Islam and follow Jesus. But they came wanting life in Jesus. More than 700 people prayed and accepted Jesus during this crusade. These were the real results of preaching the gospel. Before we had arrived in this village, God had already delivered 
a girl from demons, which opened the way for more miracles. A teenage girl in the village was manifesting demons so that her father took her to the chief who suggested that he send her to the fetish priest or to the Muslim malam of the village. Her father refused both suggestions. He had heard of several people that were healed through prayer in the church, the church that was in this village. So he took her to the church for prayer. Pastor Timothy had gone, was gone for the day, and his wife was alone in the house when they arrived. She began to pray, but the girl did not respond. Rebecca, the pastor's wife, prayed for several hours, not minutes, hours, several hours, and was joined by several other believers, but there was still no response. A crowd gathered outside the church, looking in the doors and in the windows to see what was going on. Someone was heard saying that the girl was dead, but the pastor's wife said, no, she's not dead. God is doing something inside of her, and we will see it soon. So they continued to pray. Suddenly, the girl opened her eyes and sat up. After hours of prayer, not minutes, opened her eyes and began to shout, there they go, look at them running. They are running out the door and now they are gone, referring to the demons. The girl, demon-possessed, saw the demons leaving her body. Then she slumped down on the floor and lay there quietly for a long time. When she sat up again, she had been completely delivered and the demons were gone. Talk about unwrapping grave clothes. You see, we have a part to play in our breakthrough. We have a job here in this community to do, in our neighborhood. We have a job in our city and now in Winter Haven to do. But first, we have to get free. We must get rid of everything that restricts us. How can you effectively unwrap grave clothes from someone else when you yourself are wrapped up. You say, what are you talking about? I don't have demons. Let me just mention a few things that I'm referring to. It could be some form of bondage or addiction that you have. It could be some kind of an offense with someone or some group or organization. It could be unconfessed sin in your life. I'm here to tell you, it's a grave clothes. It'll hinder you from being effective for God. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid of your future. Maybe you're afraid of your past. Many times we think about our future and we, get, we can become afraid. Sometimes it's your past. Maybe it's small thinking. Maybe someone's in the room and you think you're sitting there thinking, God could never use me to free anybody. Maybe that's the grave clothes that you're wearing today. 
Maybe it's your circumstances. You feel like you're too messed up for God to use you. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're here and you see God using other people and you think to yourself, I can't believe God's using that person. They're not qualified. They're not educated. They're not. That's pride. That's pride. Maybe your grave clothes are you. You're sitting here and you think you know everything. No humility. Maybe your grave clothes are, is a wrong identity. Maybe you're hanging on to an identity that's really meaningless. You're wrapped up maybe in your degree or your job, your money, maybe material things. I got news for you. In one moment, all of that stuff can be gone. One moment. And we, if we sit here long enough, we'll think of people that we've seen that happen to. Where one day they looked like they had it all together. And what seemed like the next day was utter destruction. It's a grave clothes. Maybe you're here and you're living out what I call verbal abuse. Maybe someone special to you told you, you're not good for anything. You'll never amount to anything. You're just stupid. And you're here today and you're living that out. I got good news. You need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of that. Maybe you feel uneducated that God can't use you because your education doesn't really go very high. Or you think you're too poor. Maybe you think you have the wrong skin color. Maybe you're here and you think you're too old. And God can't use you. Or too young. There may be even somebody here that thinks, well, I look too weird. Maybe you're here and your grave clothes are that you're too shy. You never speak a word to anybody. Can I just encourage you? What if God gives you a word for somebody and all you have to do is just say it and it'll come alive in that individual. You may be here today and you may feel dead, but I got good news. God wants to fill you with his life. As Allison and the team are coming, he wants to put his life inside of you. He commands us to unwrap those grave clothes for others. But first, we got to get them off of ourselves. We have to get them off of us. We got to change the way we think, our mentality, the way that we're operating with limits and structures around us that only allow us to go so far. Let me tell you something. There's freedom in Christ, and you can go as far with God as you want to. You can't effectively unwrap someone else when you're wrapped up. When your hands are bound, you can't reach out to unwrap somebody else. I want you to stand with me in prayer.
I'm going to give an altar call. I think that the call has already gone forth. Bow your hearts with me. If the Holy Spirit has put his flashlight, his spotlight on something that was said today, and you know within your heart, if you're honest, if you're honest, you know that there's something that's got to be removed so that you can reach your full potential in God. It might be one of those things on the list that I mentioned, or it may not even been mentioned today, but the Holy Spirit is telling you. I want you to begin to come to this altar. As I said, we can't effectively remove grave clothes from anyone else when we're wrapped ourselves. Can't do it. Can't do it. You may be coming forward and you've just got, you've got to change the way you think. Maybe you're like Thomas, just always negative, 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 negative. You don't give any glory to God. I'm going to invite you to come. Maybe you're here and you, you, you think that God could never use you. Maybe you're here and you're filled with pride. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to arrest you now and bring you to himself could be a wrong identity you've identified yourself with maybe success or maybe you've identified yourself with calamity with bad things can i encourage you today to come and let him wipe the slate clean Let him take those things that, that have harmed you or, or you've wrestled with for years on end. Let him, let, let, just let him come and let him wipe the slate clean. Let him give you a new start. One that tomorrow morning you can say, God, use me any way that you want to. And then you can walk through the day and be like, wow, I can't believe I said that. Wow, I can't believe my thinking has changed. Wow, I can't believe I have a love for this person. Wow, I can't believe that I've forgiven them. Wow, I can't believe that I'm not carrying around an offense. Wow, God really does love me. He really does want to use me. He really cares about every detail of my life. If that's you, I want you to come. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something here, wanting to change something here in your life, that you can walk away and be totally free, totally unwrapped, You'll never deal with it again. I believe that that's what God wants to do. I believe that he wants to set you free, your mind free, where you won't think about it again, where you those habits and those addictions, where they won't be a taste for your appetite any longer. I believe that. As you come, as you come, I want you to ask God 
to help you unwrap these things from your life. I want you to ask Him. I want you to yield. I want you to surrender to Him and say, God, I can't do anything effective for you until you rid me of this thing that's killing me inside. It's killing me inside. I've got good news. It's not over. Your situation is not over. He's coming to His people with all power and authority to free every individual, every mess that you made, everything that you said and you thought were wrong. He said, I'll change it today. I'll flip it. I'll take it away from you and let you walk free. Close yourself in with God. I want the prayer teams to come. I want the staff to come as the Spirit leads you to pray for people. Be led by the Spirit. Let's advance the kingdom of God as we let Him do His work inside of us. Hallelujah.